All right, we'll have our teens dismissed and um, let's see here. Where do we start tonight? Why don't you turn to Romans 8.28 and we'll catch up there in a, just a few, a few minutes. And the first part of this sermon is what I refer to as being the strange part, but uh, uh, it's really not strange. It's just what we do. I mean, it ought to be strange compared to the Bible. Uh, but I did warn you, I was going to preach on a shovel tonight. Now, how many people have ever used one of these? Okay. And uh, this is a real thing. Uh, this one's actually been used for mixing cement, which has absolutely nothing to do with our message tonight. Amen? Uh, because they weren't using too much of that in Jesus' day. Uh, let me see. I think I can set this right here like this so you can keep yourselves... Uh, abreast of the shovel and what it looks like, and and uh, about half the people held their hands that they have used one, and uh, I call this message the Baptist shovel. Uh, it came about many years ago, actually, in the old building, and uh, if you could only see what I see while I'm in the pulpit preaching to people, uh, you would know where I came up with this message. And uh, first thing we're going to do is talk about improper uses of the shovel. Uh, this is what most people spend most of their time. And, and uh, in essence, God has really given each one of us one of these tools here. He expects us to do certain things with it in our lives. And he expects us to work with it. Now, a shovel is a tool. A tool is something that we use to get the job done. And so the first improper use, and, and again, just think with me here and you'll, you'll get into this a little bit. But the first improper use of the shovel is to deflect things that God sends our way. Sometimes we use this tool. How many of us like suffering? If you do, sign up for counseling after church. You've got bigger problems than you think. Amen? But what is the first thing that happens to us when something bad comes our way? Is we try to get it out of our way. I remember one time in the basement... We were working on the uh, main sewer line. It was blocked up and doing really bad things. And all of a sudden, a cap popped, and we had sewage just pouring into the building. And so what I did was I grabbed the closest thing that was to me, happened to be a shovel, and I started pushing the sewage back toward the drain. Can I tell you that was not very effective? A shovel was never meant to do that. You, you need other tools to move water and things. But when God sends something difficult our way, we take the shovel that he has given us, and we'll get to what it is actually used for at the end of the message, and we try to use it to push things out of the way. You see, 
When we do that, it's because we're not trusting God with who he is and what he has given us. Romans 8.28. How many of you have that verse memorized? Quote it with me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, how do we know if we love God? Keep his commandments. So when we are doing right, how do you know you're called according to his purpose? If you are saved, you're called. The Bible says so. So if you're obeying God, now, if you're disobeying God and something bad happens to you, well, I'm sorry, that's just the way it goes. Uh, God will not allow us to escape the consequences of our misdeeds. Things will happen to us. But if we are doing what's right, if we're following the word of God, not doing the best we can, but we're surrendered to the Lord and bad things happen to us, don't take the shovel God has given you and try to push it out of the way. Accept it. Because God has a purpose And he will use those adverse things in your life to teach you, to train you, and to mold you into the person that he wants you to be. Now, this second misuse is probably the most prevalent in a church. We take the shovel that God has given us and... We are listening to the preaching and we're listening to God and all of a sudden we think, so-and-so needs this. And so we take what God has given us and we carry it over and dump it in the lap of another unsuspecting Christian. You say, I've never done that. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought, as you're sitting in church, Oh, pastor's preaching on that. They need that. And don't tell me you haven't. I mean, I can almost see from the pulpit people running around carrying different things and trying to give it to different people. Oh, I wish you get this. Did you hear what pastor said? And let me tell you something. They got it. Now, whether they do anything with it or not, that's between them and the Lord. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you remember what happened to Peter and John after the resurrection? Let's turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Now, the best thing you can do when you get touched in such a way as you think that message is talking to someone else, the best and the only thing you should do is to pray. You let God do the carrying of the message to other people. Be careful. But here we have Jesus being telling Peter in verse 18 how he would die in verse 19 to glorify God. And he tells Peter to follow him. In verse 20, then Peter, turning about, 
seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, that was John, which also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? John wanted us to make sure that we knew it was speaking of him. Peter seeth him, saith to the Lord, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now look at Jesus' answer here. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know, we've got to make sure that we are doing what the Lord wants us to do. You know, they have this statement, you can't know what someone else feels until you've walked a mile in their shoes. That's not true. Because if their foot's smaller than yours is, you're going to feel an awful lot of things they never did feel. And when they put their shoes back on, they're not even going to fit anymore. I, I mean, the simple truth of the matter is you cannot know what's going on in the heart of another individual. Only God can. And what is our duty to do? Not carry over another load and dump it in their lap. We want to be well-meaning and we want to help. But the best thing that we can do is we can pray because God always ministers His Word. Now, let's be careful here. If you happen to be walking down the street and you see a member of our church standing outside the bar with a beer in their hand and a cigarette out of their mouth, uh, you ought to say something. Because that is not what we're talking about here. No person who's a member of our church, has any business doing anything like that, ever. In fact, trying to follow the Word of God, you can't be a member of our church and do those things. But what we're talking about here is sometimes well-meaning, but the simple truth of the matter is, follow thou me. You make sure you're following Christ. And you know what? Christ will take care of what's going on over here. Now, praise God, this has not, this next use has not happened very much in our church, but it does happen in churches, and I've, I've watched it. As we use the shovel that God has given us to pick on other people. Every once in a while, I wish I had me a big old stick. I could just reach down here and tap a few people on the head in this front row here that are doing things and they ought, that they ought not be doing. Right, Joseph? Okay. And so the simple truth of the matter is we go to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. The Bible tells us, let's go there and just read it carefully so we're not just misquoting God's word, Judge, uh, Matthew chapter 7. And yes, these things overlap a little bit. Verse 1, probably the most misquoted verse in all the Bible. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt they say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote 
out of thy brother's eye. How many of you have ever gotten a speck of sawdust stuck in your eye? I mean, that's pretty scary stuff. I mean, it can be really painful. Uh, I remember one story. This is while my wife and I were dating. She may remember this. But uh, we were traveling. I had been working on Brother Clayton's trucks, and I was having problems with one eye, and I it was just sore. It wouldn't go away, and I went into a, We were traveling. I went into a restaurant and looked in the mirror, and I could see rust in my eye. What had happened was I had gotten a flake of steel from drilling and things stuck in my eye. And so I had to go to a doctor in Ohio, and he had to remove it. Uh, You can really get some dangerous things if you let stuff like that go unattended. But how many of you know the difference between a moat and a beam? A speck of sawdust and a two-by-four. I mean, Jesus is using what we call hyperbole here. He's using exaggeration. He's saying, how in the world are you going to find that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you've got a two-by-four sticking out of yours? Uh, I mean, that is the picture that Jesus is painting here. But here is the key. What does the Bible tell us we're supposed to do? Esteem others better than ourselves. Amen? Humility is the key to serving God. God is the physician. We are His servants. And we need to be careful. The shovel is not a healing tool. Keep it in the garage. Amen? Not in the surgery suite. So we don't use it to deflect what God sends our way. We don't use it to take to others what God has given to us. Don't pick on anybody with your shovel, amen? That is just downright wrong. But we may think this next one is something we should be doing. Now, a shovel like this would not be very good, but when we send our soldiers into the field, we normally send them with a collapsible shovel, do we not? Why do they have a shovel? So they can dig a hole and hide in it, amen? Uh, that's what a foxhole is for, is digging fortifications. Now, that might work on the battlefield today, but that was never God's intention for you to dig a foxhole. In fact, the psalmist said, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock and established my going. Isaiah said, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the the pit whence ye are digged. You know, When we were unsaved, our feet were on the miry clay. We were in the hole. Don't dig a new hole. You do not need to hide from what God has given you. When people say things, when you get accused of being one of those Christians 
We try to protect ourselves sometimes. Don't. That's not what God gave you a shovel for. The next one. How many of you have ever killed a snake with a shovel? Okay, three, four of us, yeah. A shovel is a great tool for killing snakes. But the shovel God has given you is not to be used to fight the enemy. You say, no, that's what the sword of the Spirit is for. No, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, how are we supposed to use that? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And of course, this is the armor of God. Verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If you want to fight the battle that God has given you, you're supposed to fight that battle on your knees. If you want to use the sword of the Spirit effectively in battle, it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. It teaches you how to pray. It was once said that uh, Queen Mary, uh, referred to as Bloody Mary in the history of England, was more afraid of John Knox's prayers than she was of the army of the enemies. I'll tell you what, prayer is the most incredible thing that God has given us. And if you want to engage in spiritual warfare, get on your knees. Go tell somebody about Jesus. That is spiritual warfare. Now, these are a pretty good summation of the things that we do the wrong way with the shovel that God has given us. Let's look at two verses of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 4, if you would. Jeremiah chapter 4. And verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Now, we're not going to take time to do the whole context of this, but Jeremiah was a prophet in the last days. In fact, he was an eyewitness to the destruction of, of the city of Jerusalem and his prophecy was repeatedly, will you turn back to God? If you will turn back to God, he will heal you. He said, here's how you do it. He said, you got to break up your fallow ground. Now, how many of you know what fallow ground is? Fallow ground is good plantable soil that hasn't been planted. 
In fact, I made an interesting discovery. Fallow ground can even be plowed, and most often is. You know, sometimes the farmer will take a field and he will run the plow through that field and do all the work of digging it up just to kill the weeds so the weeds don't grow. But he's not going to plant anything. Now, the idea of taking ground and digging it up and not planting anything is what fallow ground is all about. You see, even though a field is plowed, it's not ready for planting yet. How many of you have ever seen a fresh plowed field? You've got those great big chunks of earth. I mean, it looks like that plow is just digging a ditch, which really it is. And then you go right over next to it and you dig another ditch and you turn the the furrow over into the ditch of the first one until you've plowed that entire field. But then you have to go through, if you're going to plant anything, you have to go through and break up the clods. If the soil is not soft, nothing's going to grow. You can throw your seeds into those furrows and you might get a few plants here and there. But you've got to break it up. Has anybody ever spaded a garden plot by hand? I remember one year we had a little gas-powered machine that did that, and it broke. Our garden spot in our backyard was, oh, about three-quarters the size of the auditorium. And I said, Dad, what are we going to do? The rotor tiller's broken. He said, here, son. He said, get working. Dad, you, you don't. He said, that's what they did in the old days, boy. He said, I got a bad heart. You don't. Now get out there and get going. Uh, Let me tell you, you can do it by hand. But it takes a little while. Uh, By the way, it doesn't happen by accident. And things really didn't get moving until I got my attitude straightened out and started really getting in on the work. I'll tell you what, there is nothing that will tone you. You know, these guys go to the gym and they do all these. I'll tell you what, give me a good shovel and a plot of land any day and you will be in better shape than the guys that go to the gym. If you want to be pretty, go to the gym. If you want to be strong, get in the garden. Amen? You see, that's what God gave us that shovel for. Is every one of us. I think, I I don't know which preacher it was that said this. I'm sure it was more than one. The world has yet to see what God can do through the life of one wholly dedicated to Him. I believe that's true. I mean, we give to the Lord, we do what we can. But this idea that there are areas in our life that God could be using, 
if we'd only get out the shovel. And by the way, do you want to know the greatest protection from the enemy? Dig up your fallow ground. Because your service to God is your protection, is it not? How many times have we illustrated that in the Bible? And how many times have you personally been convicted by looking at the way someone else lives their life and said, you know, if they can do that, I can do that? Has anybody had that happen to them? Well, guess what? We are doing, in effect, all of those things that if we will do on purpose, we'll do it wrong. But if we do it in the midst of just digging up our fallow ground, guess what? It's going to be done the right way. You know, when difficulties come your way and you keep working on the fallow ground, what's God going to do? He's going to supply your need, isn't he? He's going to protect you from the enemy. In fact, you will find yourself doing greater battle and having far more effective influence against that of the enemy while you're breaking up your fallow ground than you could be doing anything else. You know, we try to serve the Lord. Amen? And we fail. Most of the time because we're trying. Let's go to one more verse. Hosea chapter 12. How many of you have read through the book of Hosea? Read through the book of Hosea? It is not a pleasant book to read, my friend. The story is sad because of the wickedness of Israel. But we get to Hosea chapter 10. And we look at verse 12. It says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed, in, plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way and the multitude of thy mighty men. And he goes on and, and tells us, that there is going to be judgment coming. You see, the idea of breaking up fallow ground is so that you can plant something there. How many of us are familiar? I hope you've memorized Galatians chapter 6. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, let me tell you something. If you don't get out your shovel and break up the fallow ground, you're not going to be reaping anything except weeds. You've got to break up the soil. You've got to, what the, the proper term is, to aerate it. You've got to mix it with air. That's what makes it soft, and you've got to keep it soft. It's not easy to be soft in a very hard world. Amen? But when we surrender to God's will, when we get out our shovel and start digging it up 
and breaking up those hard clods and and making the soil fine so that it just runs through your fingers. Then you can plant and expect a harvest. And it's something every one of us, if you're going to break up your fallow ground, God's given you a shovel. You can't see it. Because the ground you're working on, you can't see that either. Amen? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We fight a battle against an enemy that cannot be seen. And that's why we so often get in trouble as we try to fight the battles. I mean, we're, we're in the last weeks of the presidential election. I mean, if you listen to the candidates you would have to think that Obama is the devil. But if you listen to what Obama says, you'd have to think Romney's the devil. Now, one thing I know for sure, there's only one devil. And it ain't neither of those guys. Amen? It's it's a scary world in which we live. You're not going to solve the problem by getting out there on the soapbox and promoting your candidate. You're going to solve the problem by getting out your shovel and going to work in your own heart. You're going to, you're going to solve the problem. It is God's people who hold the key to the future of this nation. And when we get our lives where God wants them to be, By the way, if we could all stop and think about something, I'll guarantee every one of us in this room could name at least one specific major thing in our life where we need God to work on our behalf. Could you not do that? Well, where do those blessings come from? You have to sow in righteousness that you can reap in joy. Amen? And you can't sow until you dig up the ground. This is what God has called us to do. He's called us to get the shovel out and to break up that fallow ground and to keep working until the soil is soft. You know one of the greatest ways you can do that? Keep up with your daily Bible reading schedule. God's word will plow you up, now won't it? It will show you what needs to be done. And you've got to let that word do its work in your heart and in your life. Our application is simply this. We need to examine our lives. There's not a one of us in here, your pastor included, Not a one of us in here that could not be used of God more than we are right now. You say, how do you know that's true? You're still alive. If God had completely used you all that he can, he'll take you to heaven. That's how you know you're done. Amen? So if you're alive, get out the shovel and start digging. Soften up that ground. See what God will do with you. 
Now, this year, we're not going to have a regular missions conference like we do because of all the preachers we're having in. But you know something? If we'll just surrender to the Lord, he'll take care of our missions now, won't he? And we are going to have many missionaries visit. We've got Brother Wolski coming in December. We've got several other missionaries coming that I know will be a blessing. And hopefully we'll get to see Brother Hearn sometime next year. And, and uh, many of our other missionaries that we support. And uh, while I was in uh, uh, Everett, Washington, uh, working with the uh, Global Independent Baptist Mission Board, uh, we just approved six new families. Well, endorsed six new families. And uh, I'll tell you what, I would, I'd like to see our church take on a majority of those people because they're going to get the work done. Uh, one of the families is going to Papua New Guinea. He was raised there as a young boy, a lot like Brother Wells. His dad's been on the field almost 30 years. He said, I went as a five-year-old boy. He said, when I came back to the States to go to college, I promised Dad one year of college, and then I'm going to do what I want to do. He said, I went to Bible college one year, and now I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm going back to Papua New Guinea. Amen? And uh, um, how many of you remember Brother Rivero that was here going to Boston? We need to support that family. He He was one of the families that was approved, I mean endorsed. We don't approve anybody. We just say that, hey, they, we test the missionaries doctrinally and they're sending church and investigate them so that other churches don't have to do all of the work that was, was done, that they can have a little bit of a reputation going before them. And, and of course, that may, believe me or not, I don't care who they come from, where they come from. I still ask them all kinds of questions because that's our job. But uh, I've already taken care of these six families, amen? And so uh, we'll, we'll look forward to what the Lord is going to do through and for our church. Just went out, testimony tonight, went passing out tracts for the first time. Guess what? Ought not be the last time. How many of you remember Ted Monsoor? Anybody remember what he said about his first time passing out tracks? He was standing there, I think it was Andrew, who was very young at that time. And Andrew was just sitting there passing out tracks. And he said, man, I was so nervous I was about to throw up. He said, but if he can do it, I can do it. And he started passing out tracks. You know what? You can do it. And I promise you, if you would ask God, to use you to bring one person into this church. Do you think God's going to deny you that? No, he'll... Now, it may be a little scary. You have no idea how or where he's going to use you, but he will if you will do it. God wants us to serve him. He wants us to serve him in a way that only he can get credit for it. But God's not going to use you in a great way until you get your shovel out and start digging in your own backyard. Amen? Whatever you do, don't dig in somebody else's backyard. 
Amen? Don't dig a hole to hide in. Somebody may fill it in with you in there. Don't go out with your shovel trying to fight the enemy. That's a good way to get killed. You dig up your fallow ground and God will take care of all the rest. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and I pray that